Aloha. Yay. I got the recording going, so. Yay. Okay, good. Well, I finally figured out what the Skype issue was. Oh. Um, apparently, I had two versions of Skype, oh. and one was either shut down or something, but it wasn't letting me call it, but then the new one that's in the app section works. So I don't know what the deal is, but I'm just happy I got it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So how are you? You know, I, I'm good. I um, uh, let's see. I a week ago I went to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned, and uh, I have a little. I've had a little journey with the dentist because I went through a period of a couple of years where I didn't go. Yeah. And then um, I was going to dentists who were. I, I then I started going to checking out different dentists. And they didn't do a very helpful job. Or, or like one dentist, I think actually in some ways told me the truth, but they also told me so much bullshit, I didn't believe them. Because mm-hmm. they just wanted to make so much money off me. Right. And um, anyway, so I finally went to this really good dentist a couple of years ago, and I had to have a really uh, deep cleaning in my gums because mm-hmm. my gums were in bad shape. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I've been taking really good care of my teeth. And um, But when I went on Thursday for a cleaning, they said, we, we need to do some deeper work because you're taking really good care of your teeth, but your gums are doing great. So they, I had this procedure on Monday that was, ultrasonic laser and stuff and when I had the deep cleaning done two years ago it was really kind of traumatic for me mm-hmm. they gave me so much Novocaine and apparently there's two kinds of Novocaine one that has adrenaline in it and mm. I was just like just I was wiped out and last last time I had um, anyway so what I didn't realize was when I said yes to doing the deep cleaning this past Monday, it set off a whole PTSD thing in me. Mm. Yeah. And um, what, so tell me, what, what did that feel like? You know, it just felt like my body got really tense. And... Um, was this during the procedure, after? It was before. Okay. It was just knowing that I was going to have it done. Okay. And so, um, uh, yeah, and I still am feeling kind of the effects of that, although the procedure I had on Monday, it was deep and it was intense it wasn't anywhere near as traumatic as the time before yes so and i'm doing okay and everything but i just i just noticed it's had an effect on my just my sense of i feel still you know like 
in a sense, I, I was re-traumatized, you know? Yeah. And, um, and when was the first time you ever felt that way, do you recall? It's, I, I don't know that it's the first time, but it's the first time in a long time. Yeah. But when you say post-traumatic uh, stress, was there another time that you can remember in your life that it was bringing up? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily say yes, but um, when I was, I had my wisdom teeth out. That was really intense when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I also had my tonsils out, which was intense. But all it has to do kind of with the mouth. Complete in the pocket. there? Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, ghost in the machine. Um, yeah, well, you know, when I was a kid, I also, the reason why I had my tonsils and adenoids out was because I was constantly having stress. Yeah. And uh, they said that there was so much stuff in my, in the line between, I guess, my adenoids and my ears that if they didn't do something, they were concerned I might have a hearing loss. And a few years, and whenever I get sick, it's usually, it's almost always right in there between, like, my nose and my heart. Yeah. Okay, so... um, So it's like high heart chakra, maybe? Yeah. I don't know that it's actually throat chakra, but it might be. It's like, because it's more to do usually with the ears. So sometimes it's the sinuses. It's all right in there. I'm just kind of feeling into this right now. Okay. Well, when I look at at patterns, energetic patterns, and we go back and say, okay, one of the first times you felt it was when you were younger and you had to have this because due to stress. Can you give me a specific incident at that time? How old were you again? Uh, I think I was around 12, when, at both when I had my tonsils and my wisdom teeth out. Okay. And you had them both out at the same time or different times? Different times, but I think right around the same age. Okay. So that age was going from childhood to, to through puberty. Right. Okay. So what I'm looking at right now is an energetic wave pa- pattern of there's going to be a change. So it's like before change. It's almost like what I'm feeling here is that your body is sensing there's going to be some change 
and it's it's already going and bringing these feelings. Because if you think about the word change, and you and I have talked about this before with even like keeping the same apartment in Los Angeles for all those years, and now you're in a constant state of change. Yes. From home to home to home and whatever. And if we look at your nervous system, and what we talked about last week was that you really were loving being with your family and just settling down one place for a while. Yeah. Because it's like you've gone through so much now that your nervous system is just really asking for some continuity, some rest from all of this change. Yeah. And so when you find yourself going into that kind of stress feeling again and that's being triggered, how are you handling it? What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you um, experiencing in that moment? Like, how did you handle that? Yeah. You know, (laughs) I think that my, what I've trained myself to do are a couple of things. One, to be gentle with myself. Mm -hmm. But actually the primary thing I'm really seeing right this second is to go into denial, like siege mode. Mm-hmm. You know, and because um, I was at my goddaughter's family's house and um, I had so many things on my schedule, just like, just like every minute booked from last Thursday until after the work was done on my teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and part of what was booked was time with my goddaughter, going ice skating and doing different things, um, seeing different people, but it was also teaching and working, and it was just one thing after another. Mm-hmm. And so I really like, didn't allow myself to really feel it. Yeah. You know, I have have an extremely strong ability to just go right up into my head and be like a general. Yeah. It's your survival instinct. Yeah, it really is. It's so strong. Yeah. Because what would happen if you actually just went in and saw the signals about nourishing yourself? What would that have looked like if you felt you had the freedom at that point to nourish yourself? Because teeth and gum are all about nourishing. Ah, yeah. 
Wow. My dad's having some root canal. Yeah. It's also representative of um, standing behind your own decisions in life. Uh-huh. And um, and so if you kind of look at the, the, the emotional meaning as well as the emotional um, connection that you have, uh, it goes back to um, this, this sense of feeling like you um, still put everybody else first. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I was thinking that if I had it to do over again, I would have said, okay, I'm going to not do it on this trip to L.A. I'm going to, but I, ugh, I think I would have, I just wanted to get it over with. I guess yeah. I, 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 it would have been really, I think, challenging for me, but I think I would have, if I could have, like if I had the emotional wherewithal, I would have, Canceled my appointments, but see, I honestly, I have so, I am so backed up in my work with my masterful living students that I, I don't think I could feel comfortable not doing that work. I, okay, so, so, so then just go into this part of it, okay? Yes. The story I tell myself is there's there's never a convenient time to put myself first because because caring for others is more important. Or you know what it is? It's not caring for others so much. It is, but it's it's the responsibility that I have agreed to. Based on other circumstances. But then when the circumstances change and you're required to put yourself first, what decision do you make? It depends. You know, because what's in their faith is, I, in my mind, I think, I can do this. It's not... This is, this is what I'm saying exactly, exactly. In your mind, you have it set up, okay, that you can handle it all, okay, all the time. Right. And this is how you operate. Like you said, the general takes over. That's a part of your character that you've assigned to get through life is your general. Yeah, yep. But but we're not at war. I know. And that was based from the ego of this, this always fighting for survival. Yes. And so now, if practicing a new way of flowing and being in your heart, 
And again, if you didn't have any story about that you're backed up, okay, because actually when we look at it, really there is no such thing as that. We're backed up according to our ego's expectation about these responsibilities that we tell ourselves are what we need to do in order to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay, so it's back to the story again. So if you get out of the story, you put everything in the plastic bag, get out of the story, and you say, okay, this is what's happening now. Then if you were saying... If I loved myself, well, what would a person do who really loved themselves in taking self-care? If there was no responsibilities, there was nothing else, then in that certain circumstance, what would you have done? Yeah, I would have gotten some massages. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I would have canceled my appointments or postponed them. Mm Mm-hmm. So then when we take a look at saying, okay, the ego is still running the show saying that because it's using your mind to tell you the story to say, if you do that, you will be letting go of your responsibilities. You will be uh, letting people down. You will be backed up more. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is kind of where it's time for you to, 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 to have this, this talk with the ego and say, you know, fuck you. Bullshit. That's not true. Yeah. The truth is, okay, that I am spirit having a human experience. And this is where I, I have to say that when I learned this, it really did change my life because it was a time period where... Um, when I went on my sabbatical and I I chose to let my daughter go stay with her father, he was very, very much using that about my my responsibility as a mother and what a failure I was for doing that. Secondly, um, to not talk with anybody else, I was called selfish um, by many people, not just by one. But when I asked Jesus about this and we did the work together, this was one thing that came up to me very strongly because this was a time period, a story, a parable that was used where Judas was very upset that Jesus was using the oils for his own feet. And he said, you know how many people that could, you know, feed and here you're being selfish. And Jesus said, well, I'm having a human experience and my feet are sore. And I said, wow, that's so true. And then when I got to Los Angeles and I got very sick, I felt I failed because I wasn't coaching at that point. And um, I was introduced a movie by Ram Das called Fierce Grace. Have you seen it? Uh, I, I saw like the first 10 minutes of it. Okay, and it really was life-saving to me because I judged myself so harshly for having a human experience. And when I saw he was just as, he was actually ashamed 
said he had a stroke. Right. And I said, how could Ram Das, who's a great spiritual leader, be ashamed of that after all he's given? And I thought to myself, well, I'm ashamed. And because he came forward and shared his experience, um, I felt so much better because I saw that the shame was of my ego's making. Yeah. And once I was able to let go of that, because I actually realized at that time that I actually had shame about having a human experience at all. That that I was looking at the body should never um, uh, what's the word I look uh, for? Um, the body should be under my command at all times. And obviously, because it's not, and it's still working under the subconscious, but it's still getting sick, um, I have failed. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I had that repeated pattern many times in my life of how if I got sick, I was a failure. So instead, like you, I would get in my head completely and not feel and completely be denial. In fact, one time I had walking pneumonia for a month. And the only reason I knew about that is because my friend in New Orleans that I had talked to a month before when I called her, she said, you still sound bad. And that was a month ago. And I said, oh, my God, you're right. A month had passed. I worked every day. I never knew I had pneumonia. And so I, she said, you better go into the doctor. So I went in, and he immediately put me in the hospital. And I cried, and I said, no, no, I can't. I have to go. And he said, are you insane? Yeah. And I said, well, yes, I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get that, that whole feeling of, okay, Remembering who we are and saying, okay, but I know I agreed to having this human experience, but I also knew that I am conscious enough to direct the body to be perfect. And when it's not, I judge myself because obviously we know it's our subconscious still creating, but it's creating because it has a lesson to teach us. Yes. Yeah, this is so, God is so good, this is so timely. Um, have you ever read a book called The Law of One? A long time ago, wow. I, I forget even what it was, but I, do, I did read it. Yeah, the, the, it's uh, The Teachings of Ra. Yes, 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 yes. So, and they're, these people are channeling the messages of this, the confederation. Uh, yes. It's, yeah. It's coming back to me now as you're talking. Yeah. So one of the things they talk about in this book is beings who are wanderers. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I did some past, remember I told you about that woman in, whose name I don't say, and um, we did some past life stuff. And what we came to was that in my 
like my first incarnation, I was like a wanderer coming in to help humanity and to teach about the divine feminine as a man. And, and this was like in, you know, ancient, like caveman times, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, well, not quite caveman, but like in, in the agrarian age, you know, mm-hmm. where people were learning to plant crops and people mm-hmm. to have to keep livestock and stuff like that. And, um, but living in caves, and um, I, I, in my, what I, what, seemed to be what we discerned was that uh, my guides, before I came into incarnation as a human, they said, you're, um, you're not going to be prepared for what it's like to be in a body. It's, yeah. it's going to be so much harder than you can even imagine, you know. And I was like, no, I got this. I got this, you know. And, um, and I totally got waylaid by my sexuality and jealousy and it was like I totally crashed and burned in that lifetime, and I just totally uh, effed everything up. Now that you know, I, I question everything that I came to during that time working with that person because of their, you know, manipulating me. But I was reading in this book yesterday, Love One, about wanderers, and it just really struck me. Uh, that I, I, I do feel like I've always had this kind of sense of uh, an arrogance. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I know all this already. I know, uh, and uh, also um, a uh, sense of um but also a sense of failure, like I should know better. Yeah. And um, and this ability, this general, this ability to just go up into my head and really deny the body. And it, it's about embracing the human experience to the fullest. Yes. In fact, I, I um, just uh, sent a poem today. I'm going to find it and share it with you. Um, and I had this discussion with someone today about why this last year was so uh, key for me uh, was because of putting being completely put out of my comfort zone Um grounds me in humility right and and to be honest okay um is allows us to live without knowing and we don't know the full story we don't know where we are in the story um we um uh it grounds us into into reality into into this reality instead of escaping because um, it's very easy to live in other dimensions. Yeah. But we have agreed to this one. Yeah. And 
when you agree to this one, you agree to, I, I keep going back to that movie City of Angels because he agreed to it and he fully embodied it. Right. He embodied all the scrapes and the 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 inconsistencies and the 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 sufferings and the the uh, pains as well as the joys and everything. And when we of course shut down those pains, we shut down our joy. Yeah. Because yeah. they're the same energy. So we kind of live in this neutral where the highs aren't too high and the lows aren't too low, but we're actually not fully surrendered to the experience of the earthly plane of existence. Right. So I recognize that in many healers are, are in that same place. And, and as we are now being led to new awarenesses of ourselves so that we can share it with others, because now it's really about a new way of healing and it has to come from healing ourselves. And so that's where for myself, it has been being willing to be a fool. It's being willing to look messy. Yeah. And putting it all out there, warts and all, all the time. Yep. And um, there still is that belief system uh, that I'm aware of, okay, uh, I'm bringing it to the conscious of that um, I have to know it all uh, because it also, too, you can relate to this in the coaching field because people look to us for that guidance and then therefore if we don't know or if we don't aren't using it in our own life then of course you know we feel like we're hypocrites when in when in actuality the opposite is true that's just our inner judge that's telling us that exactly and and it's interesting because i i definitely am much more comfortable with that than i've ever been and um, one of the things that I really aspire to is, to, like, there are times when I think, okay, if everyone in my ministry saw me now, would that be okay? Yes. If they knew what I was doing or thinking right now, would that be okay? Mm-hmm. You know, can, can I love myself as I am and not feel ashamed or afraid of people actually <clears throat> witnessing my human experience, you know, because I'm judging myself about it. And um, and that really helps me. It's like, yeah, I just want to be able to be authentic and transparent all the time. I'm not there yet, but I really aspire to that. But there's definitely, so I have that, that conscious awareness that that is one of my goals, you know, and um but i'm 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 not there yet. Well, we kind of talked a little bit about this last week of what if you let go of the the um thought of that it's a goal and instead just allowed yourself to be who you really are, and if you allow yourself to be who you really are, 
then you will naturally take action to support loving yourself fully and embracing yourself that way. Because then if you're saying, well, if I know who I am and I am God in form, and this is what's occurring in my life right now where my teeth are, you know, going through this, and I would say, okay, I'm going to love myself and have this fixed. And I'm demonstrating to my mastery class about self-care and that this thought of getting backed up if I give myself care and be able to use that in your in your teaching yeah, to, yeah. to explain that. And so now it's no longer, you know, apologizing because I haven't even had it for myself two days ago because we went to the mineral bath um, in Germany, and we ended up staying longer. And when we got, when we were leaving, um, I, I don't know, energetically something happened to me because I had had a treatment the day before. It was called a honey uh, rub. And I thought, warm honey, oh, that sounds really great. Well, guess what? It wasn't warm honey. They put the warm honey on your back, and then they pulled it off, and it was sticky. And it was stick, 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 and it was like it was pulling the skin up. And she was explaining it was a medicinal treatment for detox. So she did this for like 20 minutes, and it must have pulled a lot of the detox out, and my body felt felt exhausted after. That was my last treatment. So we're driving back, and I said, you know what? I am not going to be able to give my session. Yeah. And it's to a newer client, and I seldom, seldom cancel sessions, but I canceled the session with him, and I explained to him that, you know, I was not 100%, and I no longer will give a session unless I'm 100%. Yeah, well, like I was supposed to teach class on Monday night, and I just immediately, when I scheduled the dental work, I I moved my class. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just told everybody, you know, you deserve the best. I wouldn't be at my best. I'm not doing that. Yes. So so this is now, if you require, like I said, if you were to say, okay, I would get more massages or I would have scheduled whatever, what would it, what would it be like for you in your life right now to fully commit to yourself like you fully committed to your, your clientele, to fully commit to yourself that, you are going to put yourself first. You know, I have to say that so often I do, but there's also times when I don't. It's like, there's never a day safe that I don't have a pile of work that people are waiting for. Right. And there are, there are many days when I just say, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do something else. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to just stop working, watch a movie, whatever. But, or be with a friend or I'm going to do something else. But I still... I'm still doing more work, and I'm feeling the pressure 
I think that's it more than anything else for me is feeling the pressure and the pressure, feeling the pressure then I, I feel compelled to work more than is, is good for me. So who, so, so go and investigate this a little bit. Who is creating the pressure? Yeah, it's it's the ego. Yeah, yeah. you know, I was uh, I, I, there's a beautiful quote in A Course in Miracles that says, "Rest does not come from sleeping, but from waking." Yeah, exactly. And I read that yesterday, and I said, "I must remember that rest yeah. does not come from sleep, but from waking. It doesn't come from not working." It comes from waking. So this is what's happening with you right now is you are awakening more and more to the truth of who you are. And you're aware to say, okay, I know I'm not fully there yet because if I was fully there yet, I would have peace all the time. And since I'm not at peace all the time, I know I'm still aligning with the ego. Exactly. So the universe then is going to provide you every day with opportunities to practice this curriculum. And this is the self-awareness of what we're doing here is just bringing you to that there's still a blockage there that is helping you not see it fully in the moment in making those choices. And, and, and this is where Jesus used to do the daily character review uh, to see so that to stay in that awareness and to bring that. And, if, and, and in doing that, to do this review like you're doing takes a lot of courage because then it's requiring you to bring this honesty to say, you know, I've been deluding myself into the story, and that's the ego, that's saying that I'm responsible to other people. Yeah. And that's not true. That you're responsible only to yourself. When you are responsible only to yourself and to the truth of who you are, then everything will flow from that. Every decision will be made from the highest calling and it will be a wise choice for you and everyone else because if you know this is where you can rest in peace because then when you're truly coming from yourself and if people judge you, that's really great because that's what they were supposed to do. Right. And so Jesus allowed people to judge him. Right. And allowed everything to be because his whole life was a walking ministry. That's, as you are yourself fully, your whole life is that ministry. Yeah. It's like, then everything becomes... 
you know, you're expressing bad in form. And it's funny because, like I said, even when I went to the spa the other day, um, the people there in Germany are very strict, you know, like they, like the whole place, like nobody was laughing or um, talking. It was a very somber place, actually. And so, of course, I went in the hottest sauna and then I decided to jump into the plunge pool, which is, was freezing cold. And I screamed, you know, and I laughed and I laughed and we put one in front of the, there's one thing with the steam or the jet is so strong it pulls your your bathing suit right off. <coughs> I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And so we just played and played and, and people were watching. I could see because nobody was even allowing themselves fun. Yeah. And so when you're fully yourself and you don't care what other people think, then the next thing you know, someone comes over and then they start having fun. Mm. And, and it's contagious, you know, it's being yourself. And that's why I always love the pictures of Jesus laughing because that's what he did a lot. They don't show that in the other forms that about him, but he loved to laugh. And, and so it's just, if you allow yourself to fully be who you are, then everyone will learn from you, no matter what. You don't have any responsibility to them because it's their responsibility if they're open to receiving the message that you have. Yeah. So give everybody back. This is what the true healer does, is that we're not responsible for healing them. Jesus said, heal yourself. Yes. That is that's the Christ consciousness. So when you heal yourself, and that is the only responsibility that you have, just kind of feel into that right now. What does that feel like to you? It feels like freedom, heaven, home. Yeah. It's been so many years since I have had, you know, like even just a few days off. Like really off, off. So you're just 
so you're just practicing your way into being who you are. That's all. Yeah. yeah. And and so this 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 practice, okay, this is the other thing about a belief system is if your ego is telling you you already should know this. No. I, I don't think, I, I'm not getting that. So then, so then the practice becomes what? You know, a lot of the time, faith, it comes down to, for me, being willing to really take the time to examine my motives. Precisely. So you're responding versus reacting. Yeah. Is my, you know, what is my motivation at exactly? Am I coming from fear or am I coming from love? Exactly. So it's inspiration or motivation. Motivation is externally driven. Inspiration is in spirit, inspired action. How do you know the difference? By how you feel. How do you know how you feel? By staying in the heart and not in the mind. If your ego is keeping you in the mind and not allowing you to even feel, you can't have this self-awareness. It's just not possible. Yes. So this is, again, the really only value of us doing this work is to truly keep you in a space of recognition of how you are feeling. Because your default, Jennifer, is going into the mind, which the ego then uses to keep you out of your heart. Yeah. And when you're in your heart, you will always make an inspired choice. It, it's, it's impossible to make anything other than that. Right. And then you start seeing how it's good for the whole and you start living more and more from that. So now, okay, you, 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 but you, you shifted completely, whereas the m- majority of your life you lived in the mind. Now the majority now is you're coming from your heart, and now there's only those few instances where you're starting to see, wow, okay, I see that I, you know, and it doesn't feel right any longer. It's no longer your comfort zone. Yeah which is huge because you've now shifted. So now you're just doing this, the, 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 the fine polishing, the, the deeper, deeper levels now yeah. of the polishing of, of the, the diamond so that you can see all the facets. And the one facet that's showing up right now is the stories, and the other part is the self-care. And the, and, the, and the loving yourself fully, that you give yourself permission to completely step out of any stories that are third dimension. Because having a fifth dimension relationship with yourself or others means 
completely letting go of third dimension stories. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where the the focus must be now of awareness, okay? Because I just posted on Virtual Lemuria about the differences between third and fifth dimension relationships, okay? And fifth dimensional relationships generate freedom and joy. So if you ask yourself, we're in relationship with ourselves first, okay? And then we say, do I feel freedom and joy? And if not, then I'm aligned with third dimension. And this is where it's going into you having a relationship with yourself first in fifth dimension in order to attract that into your life. Otherwise, you're going to attract a man into your life that is actually in third dimension again. And all third dimensional relationships are built to break. Yeah. And they're they're not built, okay, in the higher planes of existence. So therefore, we had to use that as the contrast, okay, and we agreed to participate in this divine experiment, okay, of amnesia and finding its way back to source on our own free will. Yeah. And this experiment is um, moving to a next level now. And this is what we've all been waiting for. This is what we came to experience, is the waking up. I want to ask you a question. So, um, one of the things that I believe is that Divine will is the only will there is. And that free will, it, what, I, what I've been teaching is free will is part of the illusion. In the illusion, it seems like we can have a separate will or that free will is a separate will. Right, as we've been taught, but we both know that freedom is of the higher self and the higher self is divine order, so it really is one will. Right, exactly. Thy will be done. Right. Yes. So they're really not anything different, but when I'm saying our free will, meaning, okay, from our higher self, which is God. Right. But but offering, we were offered this opportunity to go into this amnesia. Right. So there's the illusion of have it's an illusion that we have a separate will. Yes. And in this this book raw the the teachings of raw, um, I, what I was reading yesterday was talking about how um, oh beings who are uh, selfish uh, can come in you know like um, aliens and and different beings who have a selfish agenda will find ways to come into the earth and um, 
what Ra was saying, well, a lot of times they can't gain access because uh, the the law of free will will prevent them. And it, it's and maybe I should go get the book because I, I was really curious about this. It said uh, that they will be stopped. They'll be prevented because they, they won't be a vibrational match. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, so the questioner was saying, well, uh, how is it that free will could prevent them? Wouldn't, wouldn't they have free will to enter? And they said, and they said no, it would be like if you, uh, uh, like the, the questioner was saying, what's actually going to stop them? And uh, Ra was saying that uh, it's, it's like you, you see that you're going to hit a brick wall and you just keep going. That's what it would be like. There's just, there's no way to enter. And, and they say it's, it's free will that the beings recognize that they're not a vibrational match. They cannot enter. Um, so they don't try. Right. It's just like in the movie The Matrix when all Neo had to do is hold up his hand and the bullets stopped. They couldn't enter from that the dark the dark side. It's right. not possible. Yeah, he he exactly. he, he has, would have to agree. Exactly, he would because and he did at one point in the movie. If you remember, when he fell to the ground and he looked dead, and Trinity came again, the symbol of Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the trying came and said, "Neo, you can't be dead. Remember who you are." Yeah. So there was a reminder there, okay, from the divine feminine, which is, again, what you came to teach. Right. Not just that lifetime, but this lifetime, too. Right. And that's why all the more, when you and I started working together, that's when I was saying, okay, in order for you to teach what you came here for is to remember it and embody it in yourself first. And the divine feminine is the surrender is the receptive, is the creative force. Yeah. So the surrender, of course, okay, then it's giving up the general because there's no need, because there's no fight, there never was. Yeah. It was all in the separation which, again, the only reason we agreed to that is for the contract. Yeah. So, of course, if you make your um, focus, you like to use the word goal, or I will say maybe your ego likes the word goal, but if you make your focus or you concentrate or your intentions are on unity consciousness with the divine, then all decisions will be made from that place. But you've got to get quiet enough and take the time to review before making any choices. And that's where I said the teeth represent that backing up your own decisions, okay? And that's where I feel that you you doubt sometimes in question because 
again, when you are making these decisions from the ego but not aware that that's the case because you don't take the time beforehand. And this is really, i got to tell you, Jennifer, it, it will frustrate people around you, just so you know, because I do this and I'm in it right now, I have to say, because um, Timothy wants a relationship with me and um, I'm not willing to commit to that. And um, he's very, very frustrated with me. And it, and I have to deal with that because I cannot make a choice until my heart knows. Right. And, and, and so when I do that, and I was just telling to my friend uh, Ren earlier today because she's like, well, what, I need to make plans for this year. And it's, I know you do, Rena, and I know being a friend with me is not always the easiest thing because I have to tell you I live in the moment. And so, therefore, it makes it very challenging for me to commit going away on a trip with you next year yeah and so um and then likely if i make plans with someone i may change them and they don't like that either yeah yeah so it's if you go in fully to tell people okay listen this is who i am i'm not going to be different than this i want you to know and they're either going to say, yes, I accept you for that, or no, it causes me pain. Because I still have attachment to the outcome. Right. And I, th- I understand this. So therefore, then, either I let go of people or they let go of me, um, or I really stay you know, pretty much to my own self. I have maybe a handful, a handful of people in my life that fully accept that at the last minute I could go into a restaurant and say, we're not eating here. Yeah. And and be okay with that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would say... I have the, a similar experience. I, there aren't a lot of people I make plans with or spend time with, and the ones who do are totally okay with being in the flow. Yep. So this is where it's being true to thine self, okay? Always, 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 always. And this is your practice of going in and saying, okay, if I loved myself and I know I am God and that all is well, then what would be the inspired action? And every time you take that inspired action, you strengthen that power within. Yeah. And, and our muscles were weakened from years and years of making these choices to please other people. Right. And I know that because I am probably the biggest reformed people pleaser that I know. And it was a disease (laughs) of mine because I didn't feel worthy other than if I was meeting their needs. Yeah. But you know as well as I do that that's impossible, number one. And number two, that the more you 
attempt to do that, the more uh, they'll demand or the more elusive it becomes. And then, therefore, there's nothing that can be done. And so there comes a point where you just, you know, choose for yourself. And then you begin to start to see that there's people around you. Like I said, now in my life, I've created people around me that reflect back to me complete compassion and understanding rather than judgment or criticism. So I can see by the reflection that I have in my life of the overwhelming amount who who supports me. And now the others have fallen to the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, and I can see that this is critical to my being able to have the kind of relationship I'd like. Exactly. Exactly. Because it is the relationship with yourself is what you would like. Because regardless if a person comes in or out of your life, okay, you're always going to have the most important relationship is with yourself because it it is all that there is. The, 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 the relationship that you'll have with the man is just a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's not outside of you. This is your universe. And I, I rewatched that movie Existence last night and again it's like the Matrix. Um it just what movie? It's it's very, very crazy. I just let you know up front. It's called Existence of E X I S T E N Z. Okay. It came out the same year as the Matrix, but it was more of a um hmm, very um kind of a futuristic type of a thing um, with Jude Law and Jennifer uh, Jason Lee. And um, it's not for everybody, but it basically is about a woman who is a video game developer and she gets lost in her own game. I think I saw that. It's um, where she ports in, she has this little... Like it looks like a womb or heart, and it ports into the back of the spine. Huh. So it's like an umbilical cord, and that is again, it's all symbolic of our life here on Earth. And they, it's kind of like Inception, and kind of like the Matrix, where again, which is, are we in a dream within a dream? And it's how do we wake up from this dream? And we keep getting, you know, stuck in the dream and forgetting who we are. And now as we come awake to reality um, and realize that we agreed to this dream for only the purposes of the contrast. Mm. And as we no longer require contrast, we no longer need duality. And did you see that movie, Her? Not yet. Okay. Because that's another one. Her and Lucy now. They're both, again, Scarlett Johansson, um, uh, Ascension, and Expansion. 
And um, in order to have that expansion, uh, again, the 3D world has to crumble. And, um, and therefore, that's what's happening. And so now more and more people are having multidimensional experiences, which are, is very disconcerting. And so therefore, they don't know, they don't have a feeling of being on any plane of existence any longer. They can almost not determine the, 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 the difference between a waking state or a dreaming state. Yeah. And that's the transition of fourth dimension, the practice period. And that's what we're in now. And we will be in that, okay, for the next several years. And that's why I'm saying to people, now is the time to practice because um, that's what this is designed for. It's like this is the initiation period of the full awakening. And um, just like with Neo in the Matrix, when he woke up, that meant he had to let go of all of his stories. And the guy that wanted the steak dinner, he didn't let go of the story. He said, I know it's fake, but I want it. And then you start seeing how attached you are to your life and to the people in your life. Oh, yeah. And this is what Muji, Muji talks about this, about, you know, how does one stay unattached in love relationships, family relationships? It's really the biggest challenge there is. Yeah, I have to say this whole thing with my dad and really bring to light the attachments. I I feel this kind of um, interesting thing that there are moments when, like when I was talking with my father and Diane and my brother, where I felt it so strongly. You know, I was angry, I was upset. But then, literally, <coughs> an hour later, I was just like, you know, not not quite whatever, you know, but still just like, you know, these are just not things for me to really, you know, I don't feel a need to grasp onto them, you know. But then if I start thinking about it and talking about it, it's it's literally like this. <coughs> I'm such a storyteller, Faith. Yes. That in order to communicate what's going on to a friend or you know someone, uh, I, I make it dramatic because I'm a storyteller. Yes. But I actually don't feel that. It's like it's it's kind of interesting because. Like, I'd like to keep the house and the family, and I'd like to be able to have family vacations there, and and ha- and I'd like to keep it in the family for my niece and my nephews and their children. You know, it's, it's a really nice thing to have a touchstone in your life like that and to have memories of a beautiful place, you know, from your childhood and things like that, and to be able to come together and share that. It's really nice, but I don't need it. And um, 
there's a whole thing is to bring yourself to reality. It's not your choice. What do you mean? Well, it's your father's choice. Yeah, but he's not going to make that choice without us. I mean, I, well, but, but let's go back to the story again because you're basically saying, okay, that, you know, Diane has influence on his choice and you have influence on his choice, but then, then take yourself to reality and say, really, do you? Have influence on his choice? Yes. Well, I would say absolutely because I'm one with him. Our minds are joined. And so he's not separate from me. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you have any influence on his choice if Diane came to you, came for that dinner? I... I feel like I did, but I oh, I just went with what my dad wanted. Well, but that's the whole thing is, is that you didn't have any influence because he didn't listen to you. Right. So this is what I'm saying here, okay? Uh-huh. Is... <clears throat> If people love us or hate us, it's none of their business and none of our business. Right. Okay? If people make a choice, it's really not up to us. No matter what, okay, no matter how much you love your father, if you met a man that you wanted to be with, you would be with him regardless of what your father said or did. Yeah. And that's the same for him. He's going to make the choice he's going to make. And what happens is, is that it's, it, it, it could be, well, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It would be the one person that might sit there and, like, either, I've seen people go both ways, make, uh, have them make decisions. It's either you do it my way or I leave your life, okay? So sometimes people will make a choice based on fear that that person can leave their life or they might make their choice based on love. Um, But ultimately, each of us has this, there are own navigational way to navigate this, this earthly plane. And it's either based on fear or love. So for us to practice unconditional love is is what? How can you, without your story, how can you just be in unconditional love with everybody involved in this, including yourself?
Well, I guess I could, in a certain sense, be inquisitive and ask questions like asking each person, what is it you'd really like? You know, and so what, what do you think, how do you think what you really like, how do you think the choices you're making are going to give you that? So you, you brought up a really good point. Curiosity is very, very different than attempting to um, influence, coerce, or change a person's uh, choice. Curiosity is staying at a higher plane Mm -hmm. and just looking and observing. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in that higher plane, when you don't have any egoic attachment to the outcome and you can love yourself and everyone involved, then you'll make inspired choices. You know exactly what words to say. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm saying. So without the story, then you could be what? Myself and also helpful. Exactly. Loving. Exactly. And you and you will be at peace. And freedom, and that's fifth dimension. That's a fifth dimensional relationship. It would the more the heart feels free, the more it gives permission for everybody else to feel free. And to be able to say to anyone as you wish, even if that wish isn't what your wish is. Right. Because loving them enough, okay, to let them make, and I won't even use the word mistakes because really there are no such things, but make choices based on where they're at in their evolution. Yeah. Yep. Like, for example, my daughter has been dating a man from Afghanistan for 10 years, okay? Uh He came as a refugee over to this country, and he never learned to love. I mean, he has many, many, many talk about PSTD uh, through going to the war or whatever. And so he's turned to alcohol, and he has very trouble in his relationship, et cetera. So nothing I have said or done over this past 10 years, nothing has changed her from that force. Right. If I think it has, that's ego. Right. So when I finally realized that, and this happened, I'd say, how many years ago? Probably five years ago. For all those years, okay, I did everything in my power to show her, okay, another way. And each time she chose her way. 
And when I finally got that, I mean, I tell you, the kids are great teachers. And I finally got that, and I realized she's going to do as she's going to do no matter what. Then I became her friend Mm. instead of her enemy. Mm. And to this day, we are like best friends because of that. And she will turn to me at any time because she says, you're the only person that doesn't judge me, only person that doesn't judge me. She tells me everything now. And do you tell her you judge her in secret? Just kidding. Do I what? <laughs> you could tell her you judge her in secret, but... Oh, oh. I'm just kidding. No, not at all. In fact, it, the funny thing is is that I actually say to her how much we're alike because I was with a man for six years that was kind of similar, and so she knows I know what she's talking about. But before, when I was judging her, um, because I was, it was because I wanted her to learn through my mistakes. And I kept saying to her, Caitlin, learn from my mistakes, honey. That's what I came here for. I came here to do all these mistakes so you wouldn't have to suffer like me. Yep. And her response to that is, you know what, I, I want to find out myself because that's what I came here for. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's right. <laughs> you did, didn't you? And I said, well, you know what, you don't have to make every single uh, mistake that your mother made. I said, that's where I learned, okay, when I finally turned my life over to the masters, that's what the masters had told me. Why not learn from what we've been through? That's really wisdom. And I said, you're right. Why did I have to think I had to do it all on my own? So what I did is I started to say, okay, let me learn from the masters. Right. And they said, here, show me. And that's why I'm saying when I finally turned to them and they showed me, you, you keep yourself in your own suffering. Why do you do that? And it was like, um, because it's a habit. Yeah. So it's like, all right, how do I let go of that habit? I behave my way into a new comfort zone. So if you look at the word behave, be, be, and then have. Be it, then have it. Behave your way into it. So this is why I teach about being instead of doing. So be who you are. So if you already know you are God, then be it. Be God. And God doesn't make mistakes. There is no no possibility of making a mistake. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Because oftentimes things come down to responsibility for me. It's such a key thing, aspect of my life is taking responsibility for my choices and, all, you know, the highest possibility of responsibility and the lowest. I, I work with those two all the time. Okay. So spirit-driven, ego-driven, you know. Um, regarding one of the things about me and my relationships, is 
I sometimes feel it's important for me to say what I observe, but only if I can do it without judgment. Okay. And so, uh, and I, I think, what, what would I want someone to say to me? Because in my experience of growing up with my parents, there were times in my adult life where I made choices that really made life hard for me. And when I was crashing and burning, and I would talk about it with my parents, they would say to me, yeah, we really wondered why you were doing that. That just seemed like a terrible idea. And I was like, what the fuck, man? If you could see that, why wouldn't you tell me something? Ask me a question. Help me investigate it. And they were like, well, you know, you need, it's your life. I'm like, but if you could see I'm walking into a pit, I'm going to fall in the pit and break my leg. And, and I used to, I came to the awareness when I was in therapy in my 20s. Oh, my parents, they would see the bus is going to come and hit me and they wouldn't say anything, but then they would take me to the hospital and they would sit with me in the hospital. Like that's their idea of being loving. That, that was the story I used to tell, okay? Okay. So... With my father, I, I just question is, is it, you know, my father said he was never going to marry Diane. Absolutely adamant, never going to marry her. You know, she was a good match. He was having fun with her. Initially, he was like, I don't love her. And then he was like, I love her, but I'm not going to marry her. And then they decided to elope. But then we found out and we said, what's that, what's that about? You know, and uh, then they decided to uh, to have the wedding and invite the family. And when they made that decision, I just said to my dad, Dad, you were so adamant you were never going to get married. What changed? Why did you decide to get married? Why are you getting married? And he, was, he said, I'm not going to answer that. You know the answer to that. And I said, I don't, Dad. If I did... I wouldn't ask you. You know, you were so adamant. He said, I was never adamant. You know, he just doesn't remember what he doesn't want to remember. And um, so I'm thinking my dad is having this, this root canal. He's having, uh, he injures his lower back, right? And he's indicated that in some ways he's afraid of Diane's anger and upset. And, um, of course, I have no idea what's really going on. And she seems very fake to me. Do I ask, because we're going to have a family conference call to talk about renting the house versus selling it, mm-hmm. and uh, which is what Mike and I would like to do, and we're willing to organize it and manage it. Um, you know, and my dad will either say yes or no. And... Uh, but I, I, one of the thoughts that my brother and I both have is, what if he liquidates that house and then he gets divorced? You know, and, and you know, what about that? 
And so I just wonder in terms of do I do I bring this up? Like, hey dad, what if? You know? All right. Well you brought up some really good uh questions, okay? And um I think the first thing that I'd like to reply to is number one is you you brought parents you created parents into your world to stand by and watch you walk into these tar pits. Yeah. Okay. So your higher self desired to have that. Okay. And the story you tell yourself is that if they had just in some way guided you or said, hey, and helped you think it through, that you would have made different choices. Yeah, the story that I tell tell myself is if they had really loved me. Right. They would have done it this way. And when you do it this way, you're saying to yourself the story, I really love you, I'm doing it for your own good. Right, right. And, of course, we know those are just stories. Right. So this is where your heartache comes from or your pain. Right. And so then if we go back to, all right, well, who would you be without the story of that you have to protect your dad? Right. Then you can be his friend. Yeah, you know what? It's not even that I have to protect him like that. It's more like I want to protect him in order to feel superior to him and Diane, to be honest with you. That's really what it is. I okay. want to be right. And, and and then go one step further then and say, well, let's, the real truth is my ego wants to be right because I'm... Right, yes. The ego wants to be right. And, and yeah. It, and and I, I can feel it now. There's part in there, it's like...
Okay. Thanks. Oh, no.